0: is Bloomberg Surveillance. If anybody needs capable management teams for the future, it's the
1: commercial banks, right? They're not going to go away. The business isn't going to go away. It's not a sign that the economy is not prosperous. Mm. The fact that inflation is only 1%, I
2: don't get it. The fourth quarter was bad in terms of GDP. It wasn't bad in terms of jobs. In fact, it was fantastic in terms of job growth, and that's what's most important. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg.
3: Radio. Good morning, everyone. Bloomberg Surveillance. Scarlet Fu in for Michael McKee on this Friday morning. I'm Tom Keene. We welcome all of you. Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 99.1 FM, Washington, Bloomberg 1130, New York. Good early morning out in San Francisco, the Bay Area, Bloomberg 960, we say. Good morning as well. A retail focus in this hour. Honored to bring you Howard Davidovitz, who's really been really, really, really quite good. On the challenges of retail, boy, did he get out front of the challenges of Macy's and Kohl's and others. And we'll talk to him, get an update on the pulse of retail America. First, though, we look quickly at foreign exchange. Uh, the Forex Brief this morning brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best. Retail Forex Trading Platform, visit IB at ibkr.com slash Forex. Yen 113.39, weaker yen three days in a row. Euro under 110, 109.74. Uh, Euro weakness, dollar strength off, uh, GDP movement, a little better GDP number than expected. I think we'll leave it there this morning. I mean, sterling 139.63, uh, doing better. And as well, David, I don't want to rip up your script, but, um, gap needs a miracle. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, if we're going to have Howard on, on retail, can you start with Gap, or do you? Is there something more important than Gap this well,
4: morning? Well, we can start there. Why not? I mean, they need something, no question. Gap shares down about two percent in early trading. The largest U.S. focused apparel retailer—that's Gap's claim to fame. Uh, they expect earnings for the current fiscal year to be two dollars twenty-five cents a share at best, the high end of Gap's forecast range, trailed analyst average estimate in the Bloomberg survey by nineteen cents. And then you have JCPenney, which is up more than 14% in early trading. The department store chain's fourth quarter profit and sales topped analyst estimates, at least the ones we surveyed here at Bloomberg. Uh, and the results showed Penny Chief Executive Marvin Ellison is making progress in turning around the company. Looking beyond retail, you've got Kraft Heinz up 5.5%. The food maker's fourth quarter earnings and sales beat estimates. Kraft Heinz, of course, formed last year in a deal orchestrated by private equity firm 3G Capital and Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. So they're among the winners in response to those results. Monster Beverage, though, down 5%. The energy drink maker's profit and revenue trail the average estimates for the third time in the past four quarters. Uh, some more well-received earnings reports. You've got the uh, networking software maker Palo Alto Networks up seven and a half percent. The uh, data analysis software maker Splunk up six. Splunk, S P L K is the ticker up sixteen and a half percent. And Stamps.com up twenty four and a half percent. All in response to well-received results. <clears throat> Southwestern Energy though down eleven and a half percent. Right. The shale producer with a fourth-quarter loss as revenue trailed estimates. And then you have Sun Edison. A lot of pieces to this story. Stocks up 30% in early trading. Hedge fund manager David mm-hmm. Tepper's attempt to block the company's proposed purchase of Vivint Solar was turned away by a Delaware judge, who ruled that Tepper's Appaloosa Management couldn't prove the deal hurts investors in Sun Edison's Terraform Power unit. Now, Vivint Solar up 37.5% in early trading. Appaloosa has a 9.5% stake in Terraform, and that stock is down 8.5% couple more. Weight Watchers International down 28%. The weight loss company that partnered with Oprah Winfrey last October reported an unexpected fourth quarter loss. The number of active subscribers dropped 4.8%. And uh, finally, Republic Airways Holdings, that stock down 82%, 62 cents a share. The regional jet owner filed for bankruptcy. Republic cited the effect of a lack of pilots during a contract dispute. Last year.
3: David Wilson, thank you so much. Appreciate that. And now we bring in Howard Davidovitz of Davidovitz Associates, um, who has given us just terrific perspective and way out front. Uh, Gap stores, just as one example, folks. I'll put the chart out on Bloomberg Radio Plus. Basically, it's made up 80% of the success coming out of four or five years ago. Howard, how bad is it out there? I want you to give me a reasoned analysis of the state of retail getting out of the ugly spring they get to summer and they've got to regroup for back to school what's the strategy
0: well, for Gap, they're in a segment that is almost all bad. American Eagle outfit is, gas.
3: So it's not just Gap.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, every, in the apparel chain business, Abercrombie, you're gonna find very few aeroposts, you're gonna find very few winners, and almost all losers, J. Crew, a disaster. So they're in a business where everybody is in collapse, including them. The good news about the gap is they're richer than everyone else. Their balance sheet is a monster sitting with a billion in cash, no debt. So this is a powerhouse company that is not going away. They're still making money. They have positive cash flow. They got lots of money. They just keep closing stores, and their future (laughs) is uncertain. That's the problem
3: with the gap. A little headline coming out. We'll have more on this. Honeywell offers $108 per share to quote re engage. Uh, with UTX, that's away from Howard DeVitovitz expertise, but certainly important. UTX, uh, surging from 87 up to 98 and the new wager is up another $10. Scarlett, quickly.
5: No, I wanted to get to Howard on, in terms of uh, what we see across the retailers is this idea that these companies are big on promotions. When do we or do we ever start to see margin expansion?
0: Well, we never, uh, as long as you've got poverty doubling in the last seven years, which of course is been, been what we had, one out of 12 in poverty, we now have one out of six in poverty seven years later, as long as you've got that, scarlet across America... As long as Macy's is now building discount stores, as long as Nordstrom's fastest growth is discount stores, as long as Saks' fastest growth is discount stores, as long as DJ T J Max is the most powerful apparel retailer in the United States by far. And as long as traditional malls are closing yeah. and as long as the middle <clears throat> class is decimated, uh, you've you got a smaller and smaller piece of America with money and the aspirational middle class is killed forever because of our debt and everything else. It's not going to change. Mm. So retailing has changed forever and price will be more important forever, Bed Bath & Beyond. Can you imagine Is thinking of giving up coupons? Because the margin is down. It's just unbelievable.
5: Sacrilege. Well, speaking of uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, one of its rivals, certainly on the higher end, would be restoration hardware. Uh, one thing I found very interesting is the commentary from the CEO, uh, Gary Friedman. Yep. He talked about how a bear market wouldn't be all bad news for the company because it could bring lower real estate prices, which would help the is that the Oh, I think that's
0: one of the craziest comments I ever – look, Gary Friedman is a brilliant, brilliant guy. He is a groundbreaking guy. He's done the most exciting thing in furniture in 50 years. There is no – there's no one like him, right? Okay, fine. Now, if you take that explanation of the real estate, that's a little loony what uh, <laughs> it'll take years to change the real estate price. But he gave 50 reasons. Here's the real one of the key reasons that happened to him.
6: Please. He's in
0: a business that's out on the fashion edge. That's what made him so great. Now when you go out on the fashion edge and the slightest ripple happens, you're screwed. And that he He's in that kind of a business.
3: Did he expand too quickly? You've seen this a million of times, Howard. Did.
0: This is Gary Friedman. This guy is going wild. He's opening up giant. He's doing Okay, everything.
3: are there elements here of an Abercrombie & Fitch where a dominant uh, magnetic CEO gets out in front of trends or his P&L? Yes,
0: possibly.
3: I, I, but, but this guy has done
0: so much good stuff. All right, right. I, I'm hesitant to say that yet, because he's created America. I mean, he's changed his entire industry. Since Home Depot, we've never had anything like this. The invention of Home Depot, and okay. Home Depot 15 years <clears throat> ago tried to do this and threw away $500 million and
3: liquidated. it. Uh, Howard, we're going to go to break and, and, and move forward. Very quickly, Howard, we saw Home Depot and Lowe's with solid same-store sales. Can your world of retail pull over the Home Depot excellence?
0: Yeah, I, I look, the home sector, they're the kings of the home sector. Now, if you look at some other people in the home sector... They're not so fantastic. But clearly, Home Depot and Lowe's have the formula. And here's the difference between restoration hardware and Home Depot. Home Depot sells what you have to have. Ace Hardware is doing great. They sell what you have to have. Lowe's sells what you have to have. You don't have to have anything in restoration hardware. You don't have to have it. So he's tra- and when the market gets volatile, anything okay. like Restoration Hardware
3: is going to be <clears throat> okay. Howard, this is phenomenal. Stay with us, Howard Davidovitz. With us, uh, you heard his support of Mister Friedman over at Restoration Hardware, which has been a modest implosion, uh, to say the least. Well, when was the
5: last time you step foot into a ha- Restoration? I've not
3: been in the store, but I, I do do things off their website. I, I think they're they're just I don't know what they do. The, the, the furniture is too big.
5: I know, I've seen the ceiling fan picture on your website, on your your internet. All right, let's check in with John Tucker for the news headlines. John?
6: All right, uh, Scarlett. Donald Trump spent eight months marching at Parade of Insults over any and all detractors. Well, Marco Rubio survived by staying mostly on the sidelines. Rubio suddenly and urgently emerged from the shadows last night to hammer the front runner. The House considering a bill that would reverse the ban on the sale or import of ivory products undoing U.S. Fish and Wildlife rules that were intended to halt the decline in wild elephant populations. And the conventional wisdom was that California, especially the southern part of the state, would be awash this winter with rain in the valleys and deep snow in the mountains. El Nino is on the way to save the day. Well, a California hydrologist now says... The water supply forecast for the spring period is falling like a stone. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tucker, Scarlett and Tom.
3: John, thank you so much. Futures Up 11 Dow Futures Up 10 uh, for Tom Keen and Scarlett Fu on your Friday edition of Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide.
5: Market Driver is brought to you by your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealer. When it comes to winter elements, put your best four wheels forward with Mercedes-Benz 4MATIC all-wheel drive. Visit your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealer for a test drive today. This is Bloomberg Surveillance.
2: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
7: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. Honeywell International saying it's seeking to re-engage with United Technologies on a merger, offering to pay $108 a share. U.S. stock index futures, meanwhile, are moving higher amid corporate earnings and signals from China's central bank that it will act to bolster its economy. We check the market every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 11 points. Dow E-mini futures up 110. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 31. The DAX in Germany is up 2%. Ten-year Treasury down 14.30 seconds. The yield 1.76%. Nymex crude oil up four and a half percent, or a dollar fifty to thirty-four fifty-eight a barrel. Comex gold is down one point one percent, or thirteen dollars to twelve twenty-five ninety an ounce. The euro, a dollar oh nine six three, and the yen, one thirteen point five four. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Scarlett. Uh, Karen,
3: uh, Karen uh, thanks so much. The combined employees of Honeywell UTX, if it was to come about, to show you the scale, would be three hundred twenty-six thousand, roughly. Revenue, I do want to point out Honeywell has lower revenue than UTX, even though they are the uh, acquirer in this attempt. A key headline there is Karen Musk mentioning Honeywell seeks to re-engage with United uh, Technologies. We reengage with Howard Davidovitz on retail. Howard, I, I, I look at Amazon as the elephant in the room Is Omnichannel working? Every time I hear that word, it makes me cringe. It's like synergy. Is Omnichannel working?
0: Here's what's going on with Omnichannel. If you call any retailer, call Macy's, call call anybody. Nordstrom. Nordstrom. Call Nordstrom. Here's what they're going to tell you. What is the fastest growing part of your business? Every one of them will say online, without including the Gap, anybody. That means, from an allocation of asset point of view, that's where they're putting the money, and that makes sense. That's why all of them are closing okay. stores. That's why all of them are shrinking stores, and that's why all of them and are putting money into technology, and they're right.
3: Scarlett, I know wants to jump in here. Terry Lundgren's been through four to 12 cycles. Are the retailers being fast enough this time around? I
0: think they're doing what they can, but there is a permanent change in America that, that, look, Terry Lundgren is now in the department store segment. He always has been. That means he's the high cost player where we've got double the number of people in poverty looking for deals. Hello? That is a gigantic problem.
5: It is a problem, but does it matter if the targets, the Home Depots, the gaps of the world continue to invest in their omni-channel infrastructure as long as Amazon keeps expanding its product line, its its offerings?
0: What it means is they're going to shrink forever. What it means is Macy's has got to keep shrinking. So they right 're losing now, battle. Right now they're trying to monetize their real estate and shrinking those big downtown stores. They're doing what they've got to do, A, to stay alive and raise capital and keep their stock price up, and B, to get enough money to keep investing in what they've got to do. Okay. That's what they're doing, and that's smart.
5: All right, we've name-checked Terry Lundgren. We've talked about Gary Friedman of uh, Restoration Hardware, who among the retail CEOs gets this? Who's doing it right? Well, the best
0: retailers out there are, I would say, Costco. In my opinion, Costco is the best. Because Costco has a formula that when you cut through all the BS, they really give the customer the best deal. And guess what? Everybody knows it. Aldi Food really gives the customer the best deal. Not BS like Walmart, and do they really, not like Bed Bath & Beyond, here's a coupon, but yeah, the other guy sells it at 20. Really but these are not the specific
5: list. to CEOs, right? This is a philosophy. This is a corporate philosophy, a corporate strategy.
0: Also to CEOs, look, when Senegal ran Costco, all these, he was Sam Walton. I mean... I think these companies that are winning, I think Amazon has got the best CEO out there right now. I mean, I think this guy is a game-changer guy who's on a mission. He's all, all he's done is changed the entire retailing at 70% of the economy. This guy's amazing, this Bezos. That's my opinion.
5: Well, Tom, we were discussing earlier how you and I don't actually go into stores anymore. We just go and buy
0: everything online.
3: Howard, how's luxury before we let you go? Have they had a good season?
0: Luxury is mixed, and that's because of what's going on with China and Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And also volatility in the stock market tremendously affects them.
3: Howard, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Howard Davidovitz. And we need a shout-out right now to Rebecca Minkoff, who darkened the door, Fashion Week. It was great to see her. She and got her, up early for you, didn't she? She got up wicked early and was, like, heading out to, like, 47 hours of runway stuff with her brother, Yuri. And, you know, it was just like that American spirit of, okay, what do we do? Now, granted, that's a luxury. And Howard's looking. Scarlett, I thought it was fascinating on restoration hardware. And I said to somebody the other day, I said, Restoration hardware is so polarizing, people <laughs> either are addicted to it, hate it, right. or at least they know where it is. I mean, just the catalog. Have you ever gotten at home the catalog?
5: Well, yeah. It almost broke the mailbox.
3: It broke the mailbox or broke your wrist or one of them. I mean, It's just a complete throwback. It was about the someone's.
5: size of a telephone book.
3: Yeah. It was a, you know, and, and they're doing page what they Page after page
5: of ceiling fans.
3: How are we get a huge response when Mr. Davidovitz is on? And of course, he, uh, I, I heard their real support for Mr. Friedman, uh, in uh, coming to grips at Restoration Hardware with the path forward. We're looking at all sorts of things. We're going to focus in the next half hour on UTX Honeywell. This has been tangential, I would say. It's been like, yeah, they're big, and there's regulatory overlays and all that. But with this new Headline, let's go to it right now on the Bloomberg. The basic idea of Honeywell uh, seeking to quote reengage with UTX. At $108 per share.
5: That's because they have held talks in the past. GE kind of got in the way. And then there are some uh, concerns from regulators as well, which kind yeah. of stymied the whole deal in the end.
3: Yeah, and, and we're, we're going to have some chat on this for you, some good conversation. Just to put it in uh, perspective, I'm trying to do this. If you get, take a $108 valuation right now, UTX uh, over the last 10 years is about a 9% return, 8.8% is where I would put that modeling in, $108 per share. Uh, well, there it is. Um, we'll have more on this. A headline out as well. Standard Chartered, the Challenge Emerging Market Bank, their units, they may be cut by Standard and Poor's. On this Friday, Scarlet foo Tom Keene, uh, Henrik Lundquist is not with us. It's about Bloomberg Surveillance.
5: The Bloomberg Ski Report is brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverTriState.com for special offers during the Own the Adventure sales event. Land Rover, above and beyond.
7: Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Scarlett Fu, and the opening bell brought to you by SCI Imagine when asset management servicing is unconstrained by infrastructure. See how SCI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business expansion at slash imagine Stocks higher at the open. The S&P 500 up three tenths percent or six points to 1957. Dow Jones Industrial Average up three tenths percent or 43 points to 16,755, and the Nasdaq up. Seven tenths percent, or thirty-two points, to forty-six fourteen. Ten-year Treasury down fourteen thirty seconds. The yield one point seven six percent. The yield on the two-year point 076 percent. Nymex crude oil up three point nine percent, or a dollar twenty-nine to thirty-four thirty-six a barrel. And Comex gold is down nine tenths percent, or eleven dollars forty cents, to twelve twenty-seven thirty an ounce. The euro a dollar oh nine six eight, and the yen one thirteen point five nine. Tom and Scarlett.
3: Karen, thanks so much. Peter Arment of Stern Age. You will join us here in about 10 minutes 15 minutes on honeywell utx utx up us two points 100.03 uh, on uh, UTX, and we've got a lot to say about that coming up on our next block. Right now, I love talking to Kevin Giddis. He's with um, uh, with Morgan Keegan uh, and, and, and a part of Raymond James, and it's about fixed income. And what I love, Kevin, is you're in the trenches. What is the backstory right now to all of our audience that needs to find yield? What's the dumb thing you see going on right now?
8: You know we are being it's rare that the bond market the bond market likes to think of itself as a leader uh and uh, and in both movement and uh, prices and and right now it is following it's following oil prices like every other market's following oil prices so we so we're kind of getting our cues from what happens overnight on oil prices to see how the equity market goes because that's going to determine where interest rates are headed so where do
3: interest rates go if oil breaks down further?
8: uh lower it's a it's a it's a pretty clean trade right now we're seeing we're seeing interest rates go up when oil goes up overnight and equity markets uh, have good openings or good <clears throat> beginnings and as the day goes on uh we're pretty reactionary to that. But um, the auctions, if you look at the auctions over the last five auctions, yeah. tremendous, tremendous interest, globally interest uh, in the Treasury auctions because of a lack of inflation, a Fed that's now sitting on its hands, and um, and yields that are uncomparables against German bonds, against Japanese right. uh, bonds, tremendous yield pickup, and, and that's where the money's flowing in.
5: Kevin, connect the dots for us for why oil is the leading indicator for the bond market. I mean, oil should be trading, and it is trading often, on supply concerns, not demand. But why is it the proxy for global demand? What uh, about the transmission mechanism makes it a leading indicator?
8: It's a proxy for inflation primarily and for growth. And so as oil falls, um, uh, global economies suffer, and as those economies suffer – Um, uh, we we have a double effect of both the lack of inflation and a lack of growth, which puts the Fed in a position that um, they can't really tighten. So I don't care whether they sing the song of uh, economic growth, which is moderate, uh, uh, some inflation around the corner, which it isn't, Mm -hmm. um, or that the fact that they're going to raise, the lyrics aren't being heard by the bond market.
5: So to what extent are sovereign wealth funds that have no choice but to sell down some of their holdings to raise cash, how much are they driving some of this panic?
8: Well, I think uh, again, the, 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 believe it or not, the reach for yield, whether it's sovereign uh, growth funds or just uh, uh, global investors uh, in, in general, is, is coming back to the uh, the U.S. Treasury market because uh, of the yield pickup and um, and the other. Uh, as we lay out these scenarios of inflation, it's just a better place to be. So we can have a disconnect, which All is right. why we're seeing a flattening curve.
3: If you have you know pricing yield, if yields are low, and you suggest they could even go lower, you've got retail. Small guys, they're just trying to make a coupon, whatever, whatever category of bond. Right. And if you say, look, it's priced at 98, you got to hold your breath and hope for 99. That's a tenuous strategy for a lot of smaller investors.
8: Yeah, it really is. I, but I think, um, I think if you, how do you hedge that
3: day to day in your portfolio?
8: Well, I think you know you you find a middle range. So it's it it may be a cop out, but five to seven years gives you enough yield against the curve. It it insulates you a little bit from from any potential Fed move. Mm -hmm. And uh, quality is the key here. So you have to write it out in quality. And so if you have a even in the corporate space, eh, corporate space high quality corporate space, yes. But I would rather go to taxable muni's or muni's in general for still
3: even with this is important, folks. Even with a muni pop of last year, you're going to tell people those value and. and revenues? Yeah, revenues
8: Absolutely, uh, in quality because um, taxable equivalent yields are some 100 to 120 basis points better. We're still, we're still whether it's 90 percent or 95 percent versus 105 okay. percent of of, uh, of taxables. We're there. Still. The
3: problem is you and I are talking like we've got two martinis in our hand at the monkey bar at 4 p.m. on a Friday. Let me translate that, folks. After tax treatment, you can pick up 1 to 1.2 percentage points of yield in tax freeze versus the corporate debacle and taxables right now. And this is from a guy with a taxable heritage. <laughs> Ms. Fu, dive in here.
5: What is the number one question that your clients are asking you that they, they won't let go of, that they just keep hammering home on?
8: Yeah, if you remember, in, uh, November, December, and into the first of the year, most of our clients, uh, as uh, predicted by the Fed, were looking for higher interest rates. So, so they expected savings rates to go up, and they expected uh, – uh, opportunity with their cash to, to buy into higher yields. The, the question we're asking now is, they're asking us now is, is when is that going to happen again? Um, because all I've seen since the first of the year is a drop uh, of about 40 basis points in yield from the 10-year. So we, we started the year at about a 217, and here we are at about a one and three mm-hmm. quarters. Their main question is, why do I keep investing in the bond market? And two, when are yields going to go up where I can put this cash to work?
5: And how do you give them an answer that that, that – when we all have no clue what's going to happen next with oil.
8: Yeah, I don't think anybody's been pre, uh, very good at predicting both economic growth and when the Fed uh, will raise rates, and even the Fed themselves, uh, they almost have to look back at their, at their move in December and think, you know, was that the right move? Maybe it was. But we're going to have to see uh, another 10 $15 out of oil up and uh, we're going to have to see uh, something other than 1.5% on a core PCE rate for the Fed. It's going to have to be really turning that corner towards 2% on inflation before we see these higher yields.
3: When I look at yield, and you know, someone like Bill Gross suggesting financial repression continues, I do believe inflation matters, right now very low. What's our real yield? Do we have financial repression until you and I are ancient?
8: I don't I don't think so. I don't think that we're um, and I I hope that we're not headed towards, uh, you know, Japan's economy and interest rate structure. Um, But um, but we are seeing a a, a pretty significant move towards a flatter curve. And and that probably concerns me more than anything right now is that um, uh, we've gone from about 140 basis points to 100 basis points between the the two years, Two's the tens. Right. So
3: you're dazzled. um, I know that, huh? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we flattened out. Yeah, what's it mean?
8: Well, it means that right now, it means there's a disconnect between what um, short rates uh, uh, are, the perception of short rates are currently versus where where long rates and investors are putting their money, Um, and it is the difference between economic growth and inflation right now.
3: This has been great. Kevin us. thank you so much. Tom, thank you. I uh, really, really appreciate it. Right. Uh, with uh, Raymond James and uh, Morgan uh, at Keegan. Peter Arment coming up uh, with Stern Agee, formerly with Bleacher, and this is on something that all of a sudden has become interesting. i have sort of like, yeah, Honeywell UTX, I get it, and... Back and forth, but Scarlett, with a 108, all of a sudden we go into the weekend with another interesting transaction. Absolutely,
5: and in fact, Peter Arment had written a note today that had said a $1.08 share offer clearly not enough for management and shareholders, yeah. and at least $115 <clears throat> a share, quote, could be enough. He sees a lengthy process that could extend to 2017 before being yeah. resolved. And
3: I, 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 this will be my chart for Monday on Bloomberg Television. You get a first look on Bloomberg Radio. I put it out on Bloomberg Radio Plus. The 20-year trend on UTX, the center tendency is $125 per share, which gets you right to where Scarlett was talking about. The Dow up's 86. The VIX lower, 18, a bull market 18.46.
5: This hour of surveillance is brought to you by Mazda White Plains. Visit MazdaWhitePlanes.com. Let's go to John Tucker now for our news headlines. John?
6: Well, Scarlett and Tom, the final GOP debate before Superhead Tuesday was a knockdown, drag-out affair. All in Houston, and among the highlights, Marco Rubio getting under front-runner Donald Trump's scan. For Rubio, it was a moment of political turnaround since it was Rubio who got flustered during a New Hampshire debate when then-candidate Chris Christie accused him of repeating himself. Authorities say it wasn't terrorism yesterday evening, but another workplace mass shooting near Wichita, Kansas. An employee of XL Industries opened fire at the plant. At least four people are dead, including the gunman. Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval, a Republican, has bowed out of consideration for the U.S. Supreme Court as the partisan divisions hardened over filling the vacancy left by the death of Justice Antonin Scalia. And German beer brewers, who of course pride themselves on using nothing but uh, pure water, hops, malt, and yeast to deliver a level of purity enshrined in a 500-year-old law, are now rejecting a study that found traces of a weed killer in all 14 beer brands that were put under the microscope the group responding to a study by the Munich Environmental Institute. Mm. Global news, 24 hours news a day. News news. Yeah, powered by a 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm John Tucker. I'll just stick with the, uh, the white wine.
3: You know, the Clydesdales. You can go with the Clydesdales. Uh, John Tucker, thank you so much. Uh, uh, bull market, very attractive. 16,782 with the VIX, 19.01. Next, Honeywell, United Technologies, Bloomberg Surveillance.
5: Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch's Global Cash Management Solutions, helping you manage, protect, and invest your global cash wherever the road to growth leads. That's the power of global connections. Bank of America, North America, member FDIC.
7: And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are rising, poised for a second straight weekly gain after the S&P 500 index erased a monthly decline. And this comes of its signals from China's central bank that it'll act to bolster its economy and its crude oil climbs. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The S&P 500 up three tenths percent or six points to 1958. Dow Jones Industrial Average up three tenths percent or 42 points to 16,739. The Nasdaq's up half percent or 22 points to 46,04. Ten-year Treasury down 12.30 seconds. The yield 1.75 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.76 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 3 percent or $1.03 to $34.10 a barrel. COMEX gold down tenths percent or $8.50 to $12.30 30 ounce. The euro, a dollar oh nine seven three, the yen one thirteen point four eight. Honeywell International saying that a tie up with United Technologies would create seventy two billion dollars in combined shareholder value, part of a February nineteenth presentation pushing for a deal that the target company said was unworkable. Honeywell said the proposed offer of hundred eight dollars per share would lead to cost savings of three and a half billion dollars in four years, as it said it was seeking to re engage with United Technologies on a possible transaction. And Hilton Worldwide Holdings, the World's largest operator of a hotel rooms said it will continue to pursue spinoffs of its hotel properties and timeshare business to boost shareholder value. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Scarlett.
3: Karen, thanks so much. Folks, Peter Arment joins us from Stern AG Gleecher uh, right now. He's head of their aerospace and defense system. Peter, thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much on a, an incredible morning uh, to join us. I, 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 my chart for Monday is a 20-year trend on one of Americans' icons, UTX. And I, I don't understand 108 My center tendency 20 years back is $123 a share. A one standard deviation premium is $148 a share. And way out stupid, it's two standard deviations, $178 a share. Why is Honeywell low-balling this offer?
1: Well, I think it's, it's, it's initially, I think, probably the first... The first of the, uh, what a, will be probably an initial offer. Uh, if you look, I mean, United Technologies in the last few years has struggled. There is a, a, a cr- incredible industrial business, but they are, they've run into a, a, um, a, st- a point where their businesses are very mature and their margins are running at peak levels, and so they have to go through a restructuring to kind of reset the bar and reengage growth, and I think Honeywell sees an opportunity to try to combine yeah. the businesses and take advantage of that.
3: Is there regulatory overlap? We've seen all sorts of different comments on this. 326,000 combined employees. I got revenues out, oh, I don't know, $98 billion or something, give or take a couple uh, billion, but what's the overlap?
1: Yeah, the overlap um, initially, I think, is 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 fairly significant. It's in a couple key areas in the aerospace side, small aircraft uh, and helicopter engines, auxiliary power units, otherwise known as APUs, aircraft environmental control systems, aircraft wheels and brakes, and then the fire and security products, the latter – There's plenty of competition for. So the fire and security products, you could easily uh, divest some of those, and it wouldn't be an issue. And I think there there clearly is going to be some horse trading going on around the aerospace assets about what they would divest and satisfy regulators.
5: Regulators is one thing. Customer resistance is another. UTX's CEO um, had said earlier this week that that would make a merger too difficult to get done. What kind of customer resistance are we talking about here?
1: So you're talking about Boeing, Airbus uh, in particular, and then probably the Department of Defense. Uh It's more probably on the commercial side initially. Interesting. Um, we've looked at the... The, the key uh, aircraft platforms, whether it's Boeing's or Airbus, both of the kind of the narrow body side, the 737-8320 mm-hmm. for Airbus or the 787-8350, both new platforms that are ramping. And if you do the analysis, it looks like that from a cost basis that this combination and some of those platforms, the combination would result in somewhere between 7 and 17% of the total cost base. So it's, yeah. signif- it's significant, but it's not a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. There are some competitors out there that have larger share. Um, right. So it, clearly there's a negotiation going on And what you could horse trade out
3: uh, Peter Armit with us, uh, Stern AG As we look at Honeywell UTX Peter, I'm looking at the Bloomberg Terminal And UTX is subpar across the entire income statement But with that, there's not much different I've got nominal growth, at UTX 3-4% Honeywell does better, maybe it's 5% I've got EBITDA, they outperform by 200 basis points Where does UTX have to get better to defend against everybody including honeywell do they have to do it in the middle of the income statement in expenses etc or do they just have to do better revenue
1: yeah well unfortunately it's a little bit of both they have they have to uh Cut, they have to go through a restructuring. So they lost some share with Otis over the last few years and, uh, to hold margin. Instead, they now have to, you know, cut some pricing to, uh, so that's going to hurt their margins in order to get some volume back. The same thing. They've got a, you know, a very strong franchise with Carrier, but they're running up against kind of peak margin levels and they, and they're continuing to look at ways to improve the cost structure there. And then the, the, on the Pratt & Whitney side, I mean, they just have, they have the benefit of having a great new engine, but unfortunately, it's really next decade story before it starts generating a lot of income growth. Why is
3: David so, Cote doing this?
1: Because I think he's looking to build kind of the next big industrial uh, wants to do uh, Fimmel, right? story
3: He wants to do a Jeff? Well,
1: I think he wants to do something where he sees enormous synergies where yeah. there is a margin a margin expansion story that could still be in play when you look at the combination. Okay. And I think you put the best in class of Honeywell's operating system, which has delivered tremendous shareholder value since Dave Cody has installed it, and I think he looks at there's an opportunity to do that with UTC.
5: What does this mean for General Electric then, which is putting all its eggs in one basket as an industrial company?
1: General Electric? Yeah, I, or the I other, mean, the other think... big
5: industrials out there that, if, if this deal gets done.
1: There can always be a knee-jerk reaction. I think General General Electric, which we don't have a rating on, um, is on their own path. They've obviously been cleaning up their own story Mm -hmm. and divesting a lot of uh, the financial assets. So I think that's a different story. But, you know, clearly if you saw this deal ultimately get done, and it would take probably well into 2017, um, there probably would be a knee-jerk reaction from a competitive standpoint just because you'd have a very strong offering.
3: Here's a partial score. Honeywell, 12.4%. Uh, UTX, 6.5%. Shareholder return last decade. Pretty
5: significant. Honeywells
3: clean their clock.
5: You say this will be a lengthy <clears throat> process, Peter, that could extend into 2017 before being resolved. Surely David Cody uh, sees this as well. Why now? Why is he choosing to act now?
1: Well, I think he sees an op- uh, a window here with United Technologies. That, Frankly, it's um, a very strong industrial company, but they're going through a period where um, three out of their four segments this year alone are going to show negative EBIT growth. So, and because of the you know headwinds that they're seeing, some of that is is self-inflicted with a great new engine that they're delivering, and that's causing a drag for Pratt and Whitney. But others is where they need to kind of restructuring the business, whether it's Otis or uh, what they're seeing on the aerospace system side. So um, I think there's an opening window here to see maybe if we put a combination together, we we divest some of the, the key assets that ultimately uh, this is a one plus one equals three.
5: What about um, getting shareholders on his side, Honeywell bringing over some of uh, UTX's shareholders? Are there any activists at play or potential activists at play that could get in?
1: I don't see this being a a near-term activist story. I think this is more about convincing uh, United Technology shareholders that there's real value here and trying to keep – what could be disappointment among the Honeywell shareholders who the reality is, historically, this is not what they signed up for. They uh. signed up for what was a very strong, uh, clear messaging uh, story, uh, $5 billion acquisitions and less, continuing to tuck those in. Uh, improving the cost structure of those deals, adding you know the Honeywell kind of operating system, and then seeing the benefit of accretion going forward, so this is <clears throat> a deviation, a game changer for that and and guess what we 're going to have their Honeywell Investor Day next Wednesday in New York and we 're going to hear a lot more about well, that
3: we'll get you back on on that. Tell me the makeup and let 's just pick on UTX I mean Judd Gregg is on the Senator Gregg on the Honeywell board, but tell me the quality of the UTX – Board, I see Governor Whitman of New Jersey on the board, Terry McGraw on the board uh, as well, and, and uh, Alan Coleman on the board. Uh, what's the quality of that board, and do they tell the management what to do?
1: Good question. Well, I mean, I, both of these companies have tremendous boards, and I so should mention John
3: Ferracci. I mean, excuse me, I didn't. Yeah, he's I, quite an I, and industrialist, there's,
1: and, and there's a background of. Uh, of other advisors, um, you know, former executives of you United know, Technologies who um, are certainly close to the story also. So I think they'll have great counsel, and it's just a matter of whether they're satisfied, whether this is well. enough. Uh, value being created and whether they're willing to uh, deal with the change in potential governance and having Honeywell run these, what are great assets that you right. Technologies.
3: Peter, thank you so much. We'll, uh, my people will talk to your people, so maybe we can drag you on the show next week sometime after the Honeywell uh, meeting. Mr. Arment is with Stern Agee Gleacher. We thank him uh, for his uh, short-term support today. C- uh, Scott, that was fascinating. I love what he said about... This is outside the box of what Honeywell shareholders would want.
5: Yeah, they didn't sign up for this, right? I mean, yeah. they, they were not looking for a year or two of lengthy process, lengthy negotiations, asset <coughs> sales, yeah. and and back and forth with regulators for right. any of this.
3: Uh, Bloomberg Radio Plus, you got the first look at my chart for Monday, which is really interesting. It is, it is the trend of UTX and the valuations of the center tendency of a two-decade trend. Uh, which you heard uh, Mr. Armand say uh, he thinks $108 a share is a little brief, a little early, and it would probably migrate higher if they ensue to battle. I thank Scarlet Foo. We're produced by YUN. Ken Felio, our global technical director of Bloomberg Surveillance.